Our Father, we thank you uh, that you have spoken to us in your word. Lord, help us to meet you in it this morning. I pray that we might be prepared for the day when Jesus comes back, as we'll see, uh, that we might live uh, knowing what you have done uh, and knowing that you will come back. Amen. Well, I wonder if this time of year is stressful for you. It's stressful for me. Uh, and I'm sure some of you share my stress as we lead up to Christmas. And it's just frantic. I'm a horrible Christmas shopper. So that I kind of think a couple months out, I think, okay, I've got it. I know this person said they want this gift. Sure. Okay. Write that down. And then I'll lose the note. You know, and, and just, it goes on and on. And I'm just hopeless at actually finding gifts for people. At Christmas, and it always comes to this time of year, which is right now, and telling the truth, I'm totally unprepared for Christmas. It's only a couple of days away, isn't it? And I'm the kind of person who goes Christmas Eve to whatever shops open and just tries to find something. And to make matters worse, I, one, of, one of my uh, very big flaws as a person is I can't wrap presents. Like, I... I'll try, and it looks so bad that I just put it in a bag because I'm hopeless at wrapping a present, Uh, which is one of the great joys of marrying Paige is she wraps all the presents for me. Unfortunately, it it was her birthday yesterday, and that that didn't happen. And again, unprepared, put it in an Audi bag, the present. Uh, But the present hopefully will make up for my total lack of preparation. But here's the thing. You're probably feeling stressed and unprepared about Christmas, But what I don't want you to be unprepared for is when you meet God. We're going to see in our passage this morning, we will all meet God. God was coming. As we see in the story of Zechariah, the Lord is coming. And there will come a day when he will come back. And my great hope for us this morning is that we will feel the urgency of that time that we live in between Jesus coming and us seeing that he has come and him coming back. Uh, and there is great uh, encouragement and great challenge for us in the story of Zechariah that are you prepared for the day when you meet God? That question for this morning. Uh, but have a look down at your Bibles. We're, we're going to start in verse 5. Uh, it's an extraordinary story, the story of Zechariah. Uh, and the first point on the screen is the Lord is coming. Uh, pick it up in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So we're introduced to a couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, both very old, and Elizabeth is unable to have kids. Uh, Great sadness for them. Uh, But we're told that they were righteous in the sight of God. They were blameless, which doesn't mean they were sinless. It means they were walking in the Lord's way. They they trusted God. Uh, They were God's servants, and they were waiting for him to come. See, you, you kind of forget, don't you, when you open the New Testament, that there's actually been a long time between Luke 1 and the end of the Old Testament. In Malachi, if you flick back, uh, there's 400 years gap 
in that page in your Bible that says the New Testament. You're flicking over over 400 years of history. That's significant. God has been silent in his prophecy and in his words spoken for over 400 years. Now, that is the time that we come to, we're going to look at that Malachi 4 passage in a minute, uh, but that is the time we come to with Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting, they're waiting for the promise of God that he would come, he would rescue his people, that he has not forgotten them. We, we sing about it in that great Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. That's the feeling. Uh, that it's easy to forget, isn't it? That these, these people, these Israelites, God's people were waiting, they were desperate for God to come. They were longing for him. But keep reading our story, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. So Zechariah is not just an Israelite, he's a priest, he's one of those who would serve in the temple But at this time, there were a fair few priests around. And so not everyone got to burn the incense in the temple. So what they'd do is they'd cast a lot, and whoever the lot fell to, that would be the person who would have the great honour of burning the incense in the temple. And it's Zechariah's high point, as we read here. The lot falls to him, and he goes to burn incense in the sanctuary. Very significant moment for Zechariah in his priesthood. And even more significant, verse 11, an angel appears. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Shocking. Uh, this, this guy is not expecting it at all. Just coming to burn incense. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense, the angel was. Look at what the angel says. Verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear because an angel is terrifying. That's a pretty consistent biblical theme. That the, the heavenly messenger is utterly scary because God is awesome not the fluffy winged angel that we have on the Christmas tree. That terrifying messenger of God. And this is what he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because Zechariah is absolutely terrified. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now there's a lot going on there, isn't there? A lot that the angel says. There's actually a lot of expectation being built. There's a great expectation around this baby. Who is this baby going to be? Massive, all sorts of Old Testament figures you're meant to think of as the angel speaks these words. You think of all the old couples in the Old Testament, hey? like, like um, Abraham and Sarah, Samson's parents, Samuel's mother, Hannah. They're, they're, they're all either old or unable to have kids. And here is another who's come. All these significant Old Testament figures. Now, now there's another. This baby, who is this baby going to be? Now, I reckon the reason God often works through old or barren people 
One of them, at least, is to actually remind us of who God is. That he is the one who's accomplishing his purposes here. He's the one that's going to unfold history. As Luke reminds us earlier in his book, God is going to do that and nothing's going to stop him. And to remind us just so confidently that that's what God's doing, he often uses people who you kind of look at and think, how is, how is he going to do that? Someone who's old, someone who's unable to have children, who's given up hope, and yet God works his purposes out. Now, the, the barren womb of Elizabeth, I think, is a little bit of a helpful image for us to think about the state of Israel. See, Israel at this time was a long way from God. That there wasn't a lot of life that you could see in Israel spiritually before God. That, that 400 years of silence was a judgment of God on this people who had turned their backs on him. It didn't look like a whole lot could come from this nation and yet God has not forgotten his people here. He's accomplishing his purposes. And the same is true for us, isn't it? That we are very weak. I don't know about you, but I'm very weak, at least. Uh, and yet God chooses to use weak people to accomplish his purposes because he's God and he can do whatever he likes. And he chooses in his mercy to use us. Now come back to our story. So the expectations actually get bigger because the angel is quoting words from an Old Testament prophecy from Malachi 4, which is up on the screen. Malachi 4. Uh, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord God. Really cataclysmic prophecy of the day of the Lord. But keep reading, see, see, I will send the prophet Elijah. See those words from the angel to come before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. See, the prophet, one like Elijah, was to come and prepare the people before God comes, before the day of the Lord, when Yahweh comes. The the day of cataclysmic destruction. And the angel says, this is that baby who's been promised. He's here. John is the one who's going to come before that day of the Lord. It's a very significant moment in salvation history we're actually seeing unfold Here is the one who would prepare the way. But the extraordinary thing is Malachi, it seems like, looks forward to a day when God will come and visit judgment and and come conclusively to his people. And yet when you keep reading Luke, who does John prepare the way for? He prepares the way for Jesus. As as Jesus rocks up on the scene in Palestine, John's cousin from Nazareth, John looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I'm preparing for. This is the Messiah, the prophecy from Isaiah. This is the one I've prepared the way for, Jesus. See the implication? Jesus is the one who's going to come. He is God. Jesus is the one who is to come. That is so significant. Jesus is the one John prepares for. Now, John's function is, I think, a little bit like a trailer to a movie. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Frozen 2. You might have seen Frozen 2. I, I really want to watch this, so please don't spoil this uh, if you've seen it. When I wa- a little bit of a kind of love of mine that you might not know. Where, uh, 
I really like Frozen. And when I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, I really want to watch that movie. Because that's what a trailer does, isn't it? It actually makes you look forward to what's coming. Makes you think, oh, yeah, I do want to see that. It gives you a little glimpse, a taster of what's to come. Now, it's not like those bad trailers on Netflix that spoil the whole movie and you think, I'm not going to watch that. You just told me the whole story. A, A good trailer actually prepares you for what is much more significant. What's to come. Frozen 2. But for John, John's role is to prepare people for Jesus because he is what they're waiting for, not John. John's significance is he points to one who is much more significant. Jesus comes. Now, how does Zechariah respond to this extraordinary news of God? That God will give him a son. Verse 18, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. See, Zechariah doesn't believe God. Disbelief. How can this happen? You tell me. See, he knows intellectually that God is a God who comes through in his promises. But when, it, when push comes to shove, Zechariah says, I don't think it's going to happen. Intellectually, he's a, he's a priest. He knows his Bible. He knows God's done this before. But he doesn't believe God will do it for him. That God will do it now. Now, I wonder if that's like you. I certainly feel this way sometimes when... You know all these things about God, but is he going to come through on his promises? How do I know? It's a real tester of whether we actually trust God, isn't it? Do I trust him when it's hurting for me, even? Look at the reply of the angel, because Zechariah is desperate for a sign, isn't he? And the angel gives him one. Verse 19, I am Gabriel. Pulls pulls the rank card. This is the, the angel from Daniel really significant figure. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. See, God does give Zechariah a sign, doesn't he? Silence. He would be unable to speak. Here's a sign, the angel says, because you didn't believe, you will be unable to speak. It's like the nation of Israel, not in belief towards God, not trusting him, and God is silent for 400 years. Same with Zechariah. Judgment from God it comes with silence because the people weren't prepared for God to come. God had said, there, was, there will come a day when I will arrive. And when that day has come, it's now come, it's been prophesied, it's coming, the people were utterly unprepared. Even take Zechariah, the one who walks faithfully. Elizabeth, they're totally unprepared. Even the priest, they were utterly unprepared to meet God. Now, I wonder, what about for us? Are you prepared to meet God? See, we get the benefit, the glorious benefit, I think, of hindsight, where we know what God has done, that God has come. We know his salvation plan in Jesus. God has come to this earth. He came to save. We, we know that. It's beautiful that we know that. Don't you love being on this side of the cross and actually knowing what God has done? We know he has come through. He, he has come. Are you prepared to meet him when he comes back? Now, in that benefit of hindsight, I want to unpack for us what God came to do. 
when Jesus came to earth. And I'm going to do that by, by picking uh, up some of the language from Zechariah a little bit later in the chapter. So if you want to flick to verse 76. It's a long passage, so I figured we didn't need to read the whole of Luke 1. Uh, but extraordinary prophecy. So Zechariah and Elizabeth have a son. Uh, a wonderful moment where God has been faithful to his promises, gives them a son, and the silence of prophecy at that point is broken because Zechariah, for the first time in a long time, by the Holy Spirit, prophesies. This is what he says. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. Extraordinary words, aren't they? And what they tell us is is Jesus, as he comes, he comes to bring salvation. Now, in Zechariah's song, it seems like Zechariah's looking forward to a time when God would rescue his people from his enemies. And that's true, except as you keep reading Zechariah's song, it becomes clear where God's enemies We are the ones living in darkness. We've all turned our backs on God. And so when Jesus comes to bring salvation, it's not from the Romans like the Jews were expecting. It's actually salvation from something deep inside of us that we have turned our backs on God. That is what we need saving from. That is God's salvation plan. As Jesus comes to earth, the beauty of Christmas is that he became a man. God became a man so that he would die on the cross for your salvation. Because we deserve judgment for what we have done, don't we? We've turned our backs on God. And so Jesus comes and he does something about it. And it's linked, as Zechariah says, to the forgiveness of sins. See, what happens is Jesus dies on the cross, he dies in your place, so that he can achieve forgiveness of your sins, of my sins that they are totally paid for by his blood. What an extraordinary God that he would come and do that for us so that if you trust in him, forgiveness of sins is for you. It has been bought at the cross, which is extraordinary because it means God actually offers you a fresh start. See, you might think, oh, you don't know the stuff that I've done in my life. You might be here this morning and just think there's no way God could accept me. But Jesus on the cross forgives all of our sins. Totally. Total mercy of God. If you would take the offer up, if you would put your trust in Jesus, that's what the Bible says, to to turn to him, to trust him for your forgiveness. And you know, you don't have to wonder, am I right with God? You kind of think when Jesus comes back, will I be right with him then? Well, if your trust is in him now, you're not waiting for God to forgive you in the future. He has forgiven you at the cross. It is done. And one of the things I love about Luke is he is so keen to show us this happened historically so that you can actually have confidence before God that this has happened. Jesus has paid for my sins. I am forgiven. You don't have to live wondering, will God forgive me? He already has if your trust is in Jesus. Extraordinary. And here's why God does that. In the words of Zechariah, it's because of the tender mercy of our God. It's because God loves you. 
That's why we didn't deserve it. But the tender mercy of God is held out for you if you would take it. Zechariah says it's like the rising of the sun. It's beautiful. At God's mercy, come and take that this morning if you haven't already. Because there will come a day when Jesus comes back. See, after he died on the cross, he rose three days later and he ascended to heaven and there will come a day when he will return. And when he comes back, he will return for salvation for those who are in him, but it will be a day of judgment. A day of judgment for those who do not know him. That is coming. You know those prophecies in Malachi, the the cataclysmic destruction, the fire. It it sounds kind of like, did Jesus actually do it when he came? No, he came to save. And that prophecy is yet to be completely fulfilled, but it will be. There will come a day when he will return and that cataclysmic destruction, the day of the Lord, will be here. And so in a different way, we are a little bit like... Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting for God. He has promised he will come and we're waiting for him to return. It hasn't been 400 years, it's been nearly 2,000. And you kind of think, is he actually coming? You ever feel like that? Is is Jesus coming back? Maybe not in my lifetime, maybe a thousand years. You kind of think, is he coming? Well, let me take you to a passage that shows us why Jesus hasn't come back yet and that he will come back very soon on the screen, have a look at 2 Peter 3. It says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Again, extraordinary passage to grasp. What's holding back God's judgment? It's the tender mercy of God. It's his patience. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That is what's holding back his judgment. Can I plead with you this morning, do not presume on God's patience because Jesus will come back. And this world will be over. Are you prepared for Jesus, God himself, to come back? Are you prepared for that day? How could we ever stand, hey? These, the passages, cataclysmic destruction, fire. How do we have any hope in that day? How could we be prepared to meet God? a reasonable question, isn't it? See, in the Old Testament, when someone would even see a glimpse of God in a prophecy like one of the prophets, they would fall down as if they were dead. (laughs) Because to see the awesomeness of God is just terrifying. And you have this overwhelming sense of, I am utterly unworthy to be in his presence. There's no hope for me. So how do we have any hope? 
How could it be different for us? Well, I take it that day will be very terrifying. But there is hope for those in Jesus. Now, it strikes me, as as you look around the country at the moment, there is a lot of cataclysmic destruction going on. Uh, The fires have been awful. I feel like half the country is burning. And the awfulness of those fires is just that they're utterly out of control. There's no way for a, a fireman to stand in front of the blaze with a hose. It doesn't work. You know, the strategy that they've been doing is to backburn, to, to work on the edges of the fire, because there's no way they can stand in the face of that fire. And here's the thing. Here's the deal. When Jesus comes back, if your trust is in him, you stand where the fire has already burnt. Because if your trust is in Jesus, Jesus has taken fully the judgment of God on himself. That's what he did on the cross. He took it completely. There's nothing left for you. Nothing. If your faith is in him. Because you stand where the fire has already burnt. You are completely covered, completely shielded on that day. If you know the tender mercy of God. Isn't that a great hope? That will be a wonderful day for those of us who are in Jesus. We've been forgiven and we will stand with God. You know, I love when when Zechariah talks about the tender mercy of God with the rising sun, he's picking up on Malachi 4. Let me read it again. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays on that day. What a wonderful image of heaven. The sun of righteousness, the, the warmth of a sun on your skin. When you wake and there'll be no more pain. That's what we're looking forward to. Peter describes it as a new heaven and a new earth. Can you imagine the first moments there? Oh, you won't even recognise this earth. It'll be like nothing we've ever seen, but it will be real life as it was made to be. And we'll be with God and we will not be wiped out because we stand with Jesus. I reckon if you could have a glimpse of that world to come, everything here would just utterly pale, wouldn't it? That's what we're hanging out for. And if you're someone who trusts in Jesus, there is a great confidence as we prepare for God to come. We're not wondering what he's going to say. We know we are forgiven. When we stand with him, we will be with him for eternity because our trust is in Jesus. We know God's salvation. He has done it on the cross. Our sins have been forgiven and we will not face his judgment. Hold on to that. The tender mercy of God is so precious. But I want you to remember as well that the patience of God is the only thing holding back his judgment. We are living in the last days and Jesus' return will be like a thief. It won't be expected and it will come soon. Can I plead with you this morning, if your faith is not in Jesus, turn to him now. Please do business with God today because you don't know when. And let me urge all of us, Jesus is coming back soon. He really is. That is the reality. There is so many people in our world who do not know him. 
I reckon we better start with our friends and family. They need to know because he is coming back. There is a deep urgency in our time to tell others because time is short. Let's get on with that, eh? As we finish, let me wrap up what we've heard. God didn't forget his people Israel, did he? He came as he promised. And the extraordinary claim of the Bible is that Jesus is God himself who would come and forgive us of our sins. And he came to die and save us. There is a fresh start for you this morning if you would take it. And he's coming back. Are you prepared to meet God? How about I pray? Our Father, thank you so much that you have not left us, that you would even come as a man to die for us. Thank you that you have saved us if our faith is in you, Lord. Please continue Help us to walk in your ways. Thank you for the extraordinary news of your forgiveness. And I pray that we would prepare as we wait to meet you when you return. Amen.